Welcome everybody to our weekly Torah podcast dedicated in memory of Mr. and Mrs. Harold and Shirley Pasternak, Herschel Ben David, Hasima Deborah, Basti Fesco. I'd like to dedicate this also in the memory of a soldier that just was the last of life yesterday in Gaza, unfortunately, Amichai Yaakov Yeshua Oster, who actually we knew he was here visiting Cleveland, visiting his grandmother and his uncle and his cousins here in Cleveland a couple of months ago. He, he dabbled with us several days in Jewish Linux connection. Should be a source in his memory. This week's Parsha is Parsha Shmos, the beginning of the second book of the Torah, beginning of the story of the Jewish people's exile in Mitzrayim. What's interesting is, though, the Torah repeats, the Torah, we know, obviously, is very careful, very meticulous in its wording. And it's it's very sparing as well. Yet in Parshas Vayigash, when it first tells us how Yaakov and his sons came down to Mitzrayim, it tells us their names. It tells us that how they went down, Yaakov, Ishu, based on Ba'u, how they came down to Mitzrayim. And tells it, it mentions the names. Here again, the beginning of the Parshas, but Elish most b'nei saw boy Mitzrayim, it's Yaakov, Ishu, based on Ba'u. These are the names of the children of Israel that came down to Mitzrayim, Yaakov and his family. And it tells us again their name, Ruben, Shimon, Levi, Huda, etc. It's interesting why the Torah repeats the over the idea that the Jewish people have come down to Mitzrayim. Afterwards, it tells us that by Yomas, Yosef, that Yosef and his brothers and the entire generation passed away. But Timaliah earns a son. And it tells again that the people, the, the people became fruitful and they multiplied and they increased and they, they spread throughout the whole throughout the whole land. But Timaliah earns so the land became filled with the with the Jewish people. So again, it seems to be a repeating of yes, the whole idea that Yaakov went down with children, and again he went down, these the names, and then again it says Yosef and his brothers died, and then the people spread out throughout Mitzrayim. It seems that the Golas, the exile in Mitzrayim, did not begin at one time. It came in stages. When they first came down, although they were guests of, of royalty, when Yaakov came down with his children, guests of the of the viceroy of Mitzrayim, of Yosef, they lived in they lived in Goshen, which seemed to have been a pretty beautiful area of Mitzrayim. That meant they lived quite comfortably over there. But nevertheless, they were still in Gulf. They were still in exile. Later, after Yaakov died, Torah tells us, last week's parasha, Yaakov, he wanted to reveal the reveal redemption to them. It was hidden from him. That began, that began, there was an element of the exile again that began over there with Yaakov's death. And it was later, after Yosef and his brothers died, that's what Yaakov tells us in the Sheba side. That's when the actual Slavery and the and the the difficulty and the, the backbreaking labor that's when it began. So it came like in stages. It's interesting, a little reminiscent, perhaps. We say in davening every single day that Achadosh Baruch is Mer Kol Olam Kula B'Kvodo, a Mer of Earth Barachamim, that He illuminates the world with Barachamim compassion. What does it mean? What's the compassion associated with the illuminating the world. So unfortunately, say a beautiful idea that when a person goes from a light room into a dark room, 
suddenly, somebody turns off the light suddenly, you can't see anything. It takes a while to your eyes get used to the darkness and you can begin to make out forms, shapes, and they can walk around, you can really know where to go. The same thing also in the morning. When a person, when Hashem makes it from light or from dark to light, when a person was in a dark room and somebody flips the light on all of a sudden, it hurts the eyes. Still, the eyes get used to the light. Because doesn't do when Hashem makes the light in the morning. It doesn't learn to turn light all of a sudden. The, the light slowly gets lighter and lighter and lighter until eventually the person's able to see. And then similarly at night when it comes dark, it's not sure it doesn't flip off the, you know, flip the switch, so to say, and then darkness descends. The darkness comes down very, very slowly. That's rough. There's compassion in that so that our eyes should be able to get used to it. It shouldn't, shouldn't be difficult for our eyes. That's the way it was when they began exile in Israel. And for that matter, that's the way it was when they ended the exile in Israel in Egypt also. Everybody's telling us there too. When the plagues began, that time, this, the burden of servitude ended also. They no longer had to work the, for the Egyptians, but they were still slaves. After that, they slavery, they were, they, they were released from slavery, but they were still in Mitzrayim, they're still in Egypt. It was only afterwards, after about the Korban Pesach, first day of Pesach, when they actually left Egypt, they left Mitzrayim. But the rabbis tell us it was over the last year in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, that actually things started getting a little better, a little better, a little better. So we see the slavery actually began in stages, and the slavery ended in stages as well, too. Now, whereas by the light, they said that it shows Hashem's compassion, here, I'm not sure if it's actually for the same reason. The slavery in Egypt, first of all, had they gone straight from being freed people to all of a sudden backbreaking labor, that would have been very, very difficult. They, may be, they might not have been able to have, have survived like that. Hashem made it easier. It was literally, they first came down, they were, they, were, they were strangers. They were treated well, but they were strangers. And slowly, slowly, the, the Egyptians started becoming concerned, and the Jews started, started asking them to, to, to volunteer, to be able to work in, throughout Mitzrayim. And eventually, slowly, they actually made them work, they forced them to work, and became forced labor. And at that point, they were slaves, and they, they, they didn't have any option but at least he gave them a little chance to get used to things too. The rabbis tell us that the exile in Mitzrayim was not only something which is physical, it was also a spiritual exile. That's perhaps also the idea of the coming down, coming down in stages. When they first came down, spiritually they were on a very high level, going up in the house of Yaakov, and although they left Eretz Yisrael to come down to the land of Mitzrayim, when they were in Mitzrayim, in Goshen, Yehuda had started up a yeshiva over there, Rashi tells us. Yaakov sent Yehuda down in front of everybody, ahead of everybody else, to open up the base Talmud, a place where they were able to study Torah. The same type of lady we see throughout the whole period of Mitzrayim, were able to sit and study Torah. Now, Rashi tells us that the tribe of Levi, Shema Levi, were never enslaved in Mitzrayim. But then when Yaakov passed away, it, even, well, even before Yaakov, but they're going down to Mitzrayim, they were, they, they were still it was still not the same thing, though. They were keeping the mitzvahs, but it wasn't the place where it was supposed to be. Eretz Yisrael is the place where the mitzvahs come more naturally, so to say. In Mitzrayim, they already fell under the influence of the Egyptians a little bit. Mitzrayim was a place, was a place of total contamination. Later on, when the Jewish people in Torah tells us that they were prohibited to engage in different types of immoral activities, the Torah tells us, like the land of Mitzrayim, where you had been, that you should not, you don't try to do that. 
don't try to behave the same way the Egyptians behave. Also, it's called the Ervas Eretz, the nakedness of the land. It was known for its decadence and for its immorality. Furthermore, even their belief, idolatry, was prevalent in Mitzrayim. We're taught to Mitzrayim, they served the, 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 the Nile River. The Torah tells us that Eretz Mitzrayim was different than other types of lands. Eretz Yisrael, excuse me, Eretz Yisrael, rather, is different than other types of lands. The Torah tells us that it's not like the land of Mitzrayim. In the land of Mitzrayim, they had to, they brought water from the Nile River, and it was it was pretty much the Nile River was able it was a big river and was able to able to irrigate all the all the different types of agricultural needs of Mitzrayim. Eretz Yisrael is not like that. Eretz Yisrael Torah tells us. It's Eretz Asher Hashem Olakecha Dorish Osa. Tamid Eni Hashem Olakecha Ba. Mereshes Hashanah VeAkvus Hashanah. It's a it's the land that Hashem takes a look at it throughout the entire year. Eretz Yisrael is doesn't have any natural resources like Mitzrayim does, and it depends totally on rain. What's so terrible about that? Well, the understanding is water. If we have a river, a big river, you see the river all the time. When you have to depend upon rain, you don't see the rain all the time. You have to you have to know you better start praying to make sure the rain's gonna come, otherwise your crops are gonna die. The Torah tells us as that one of the qualities of Eretz Yisrael, actually. The rabbis tell us the Eretz Yisrael, the Kodesh Baruch takes care of the land of Israel by itself. The rest of the world is taken care of through an agent, so to say. But Hashem takes keeps an eye on Eretz Yisrael, and the rain comes down. Hashem gives it based on the people's faith and prayers. When we pray to Hashem and we remember Hashem, Hashem takes care of us and, and the rain comes down. That's the brachas always given the Shema and Hashem Bukhukosai. And the Sati Matar Tzchambito, I'll give the rain at its proper time. You gather your grain, your wine and your oils, everything will become, everything will come wonderful. But in the land where it depends upon rain, the faith in Hashem is much stronger. When you have the Nile River that irrigates everything, it's easy to forget about Hashem. And indeed, in Mitzrayim, they worship the Nile River. The worship the Nile River was sort of like representing nature. That was their God. They didn't believe in a Kodesh Baruch or Hashem. And when the Jewish people came down to Mitzrayim, some of that began to rub off on the Jewish people too. And when the and when Yaakov died, perhaps a little bit more. And when the tribes died, they had become very strongly influenced by the Egyptians. Although we find regarding immorality, the rabbis tell us to the praise of the Jewish people that there was no immorality in Egypt. They're able to maintain higher standards of morality in Egypt. But if unfortunately, as far as idolatry is concerned, the Medrash tells us when the Jewish people left Egypt, it came time for the sea to split. The sea asked Tashem, or the halolu of the of the Why should I split for the Jewish people any more than for the Egyptians? The Egyptians serve idolatry. And the Jewish people served idolatry. And therefore, it was saying that the Jewish people were, were, probably, were pretty much inseparable. You couldn't really tell them apart from the Egyptians. And therefore, why did they deserve to be saved any more than the Egyptians deserved to be saved? Hashem had to answer the Jewish people were deserved to be saved because of the future. They would accept the Torah. When they accept the Torah, they would become God's special nation, special people. But that's unique.
So it, it came again. That slavery came in stages when it came down to Mitzrayim. And when it finally came time, at the end, 210 years later, when it came time to leave Mitzrayim, by that time, the Pussy tells us that they Christ went up to Hashem and heard their groaning, heard their, you know, their, their pain that they, had, that they had suffered at the hands of the Egyptians. It was at that point that Hashem started making things a little bit easier. And again, first, first they stopped the, the servitude, the backbreaking labor ended. And then they could realize, they recognized Hashem's involvement through the 10 plagues. But unfortunately, it wasn't enough yet. And they were still enslaved to the Egyptians, even though they didn't have to work for them. They were still slaves in name. Their faith wasn't yet firm. And later on, afterwards, they were, they were freed from Mitzrayim. And only after that, when they actually left Mitzrayim, then again, that was that, that was assembled to freedom. Complete, complete freedom, however, was not achieved until they received the Torah at Mount Sinai. That's the four expressions of redemption we'll talk about in a few weeks. But Seisi, I'll take you out. Alti, Lakakti, and Beitzalti. Four different expressions. It's not the right order, but the four different expressions. They first take them out of servitude, of backbreaking labor, then out of the nameless slaves, then take them out of Egypt, and finally, Lakakti, I'll take you to me as a nation, which is a reference that Amban says to the giving of the Torah at Hasina. That's when Jewish people truly experience freedom. So the same way, they, it, every, it was like a, almost like the beginning of Egypt mirrored the end of Egypt. It began in stages of slavery, and it ended in stages as well also. If you look over the course of exile, that's unfortunately, that's, that seems to be the type of pattern that, that's repeated over and over again. Jewish people make their way into a country for the first time. Sometimes refugees, sometimes running away from other countries' persecution. And they, they settle in the country. And at first they're strong. And at first they have they come with, with they come with all their with all, all the different things that they had had in the old country as far as as far as their their, their observance is concerned. And Torah and mitzvahs and Torah scholarship, etc. But over the course of time and there is the exile. And some of the some of the ways of the of the host nation begin to make their way into the Jewish people themselves. And unfortunately at that point in time, as time moves on, more, a little bit more, a little bit more, it becomes even more difficult for them to be able to observe the mitzvahs. They begin to assimilate. The famous Mesha Chachma and Parshat Kosai says this recurring theme. Again, they, they start off strong, then they slowly assimilate, and they begin to feel so comfortable over there, they'll visit their home. And unfortunately, that raises the ire of the host country, and what happens is eventually they get anti-Semitism, rears its ugly head, and Jewish people are thrown out, has happened in, in country after country throughout Europe and Spain, England, and Germany, so many different places this idea happened. It's important for us to understand that the rabbis tell us that the, the, the whole story of Mitzrayim, of the Gullus of Mitzrayim, was meant as a lesson for all the other exiles. Now, the rabbis talk, rabbis talk about four different exiles the Jewish people experienced. After the first base ministry was destroyed, the Gullus of Babel, Babylon, when the, after the second base of Megdash, during the Second Temple, after the face Midrash was rebuilt, they fell under the rule of the Persians in the in the, in the Purim story, and that, that that's what the Jewish people. That's actually when they they rebuilt the base Midrash under the Persian Empire. But that was a separate exile, exile in Persia. Then during the period of Second Base Midrash, they fell under the Greek control, the Greek Gullus, 
And the fifth second base Medish was destroyed. That was the that was when it was the, the that was the exile of Rome. Edom began. And although Mitzrayim is not counted as one of those exiles, the rabbis tell us that all of the all of the different exiles were included in Mitzrayim. And when we study the exile Mitzrayim, its its importance is in order to be able to make us aware of the different other different exiles, all the different exiles, and how to be able to deal with the exiles, to see how see how the insidious how it creeps up upon us, and we have to be able to get through it, survive it. And ultimately, Hakadosh Baruch Hu will save us and spare us from the exile, going out in the same stages as we came into the exile. Have a great week, everybody, and Bez Hashem. Meet again next. Ever think about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.